All listeners, prepare for boarding. This is International Lounge. Hello and welcome to International Lounge. This is your captain speaking, Captain Abdu, along with my co-pilot Max. Shalom. This is International Lounge, your passport to world culture. We explore everything from world history to music, film, food, and we bring you amazing on-location interviews from our travelers abroad. So sit back, put your tray tables down, because it's going to be a smooth ride. And today, we are traveling to the great subcontinent, a land down under that's been torn asunder, maybe, perhaps? We're talking about India, a.k.a. Hindustan. So, Max, tell us a little bit about India. Okay, well, uh, some fun facts, right? It's a, the capital of India is New Delhi. Mm-hmm, That's important mm-hmm, to know. Mm-hmm, Population mm-hmm. is a cool 1.2 billion. It's a staggering number. The name India, though, is derived from Indus, which originates from the old Persian word Sindhi. Mm-hmm, the latter mm-hmm. term stems from the Sanskrit word Sindhu, mm-hmm. which was the historical local name for the Indus River. Mm, That's falling into place here. Mm-hmm. All right, so I want to I want to um, kick off uh, our next segment, uh, brief time of history. Okay, mm. India, uh, it, it's it's proved itself to be, in the words of its first prime minister, Jawaharlal Nehru, a bundle of contradictions held together by strong but invisible threads. Invisible threads. Okay. Interesting, mm-hmm. and and we're gonna see that all actually that's it's gonna come that's gonna fall into place by the time we, we get through its its uh its uh its uh remarkable history. Let's see if we can okay. untangle some oh. of those threads. We are weaving weaving through time. Now let's start with the Indus Valley civilization. This is along the India Pakistan border. Uh, urban culture emerged from about thirty five hundred B C, and the the Harappan culture most famously in that area. Uh, flourished for more than a thousand years. It's a long time. Uh, the Harpin culture—it's—it's it's your—it's your typical ancient civilization: uh, clay pottery and loincloths, loincloths, and uh, simplistic life. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, it's it, your crude tools. It's, it's what you'd expect. Just keeping it simple. Yeah. Now, tell us a little bit about early invasions and the rise of religions. All right. Well, uh, this is interesting. So, Harappan civilization, which mm-hmm. you mentioned, fell into decline from the beginning of the second millennium BC, likely mm-hmm. due to floods or increased rainfall. Mm-hmm. So, so it's also been said the Aryans invaded the Harappans. Mm. Oh. But a rival those theory, folks. those Aryans, you never know about them, right? Rival theory claims that it was the Aryans, from a Sanskrit word for noble, mm-hmm. who were the oh. original inhabitants of India. There's no clear evidence that the Aryans came from anywhere, and it's even questionable whether the Aryans were a distinct race, so the quote-unquote invasion could simply have been an invasion of new ideas from neighboring cultures. Mm. Now, Aryans, if you Google this, check this out, this is a uh, nomadic group, right, mm-hmm. which is not, they're not toe-headed, blonde blue-eyed sure, people. Sure. They're people who are much, much predate our idea of the modern ideas of Sure. Race. Which makes me question if Hitler was a bit misguided. Yeah, you know, he should have done his homework. <laughs> sure. That's not the only thing he stole from the Indian subcontinent, yep. by the way. Mm-hmm. We can get to that Classically, later, maybe. Yep, mm-hmm. we know the, uh, the famous uh, swastika mm-hmm. emblem. Wasn't Bar- always a symbol of uh, hatred. Yeah, which is interesting that he would borrow from other cultures having been so full of hate and rage. He was a bundle of contradictions in and of himself. Yeah, tied uh, with some ugly mustache thread. Sure, sure. Uh, but he, he he's, he's an episode in and of himself, so mm-hmm. we can, we can uh, circle back to him in the future. Um, tell us a bit more about sort of uh, beyond uh, that, that era. Okay, well, 
we got the Hindu sacred scriptures. The Vedas were written during the period of transition, 1500 to 1200 BC, and the caste system became formalized during that time. Buddhism and Jainism arose around 500 BC. Mahavir and the Buddha were contemporaries, and their teachings overlapped. Sure, sure. So Mahavir was sort of the Buddha of Jainism. The Buddha of Jainism. Uh, So they both questioned (laughs) the Vedas and were critical of the caste system. Mm. Watch out for that. Yeah. Oh, they'll 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 uh, they'll gain influence over time. Yeah. Uh, now this this brings us into uh, next uh, next big era, sort of the Mauryan Empire. All right. Chandra Gupta Maurya was the founder of the first great Indian Empire. He came into power in 321 BC. This guy, he's he's the top dog. I mean, mm-hmm. this uh, this guy uh, really made made major changes. Okay. Mm-hmm. The Mauryan Empire encompassed much of North India and reached as far south as modern-day Karnataka, okay? Now, audience, pull out your maps, okay? Check that out. That's a, that's a, that's a massive amount of land, okay? All right, cool. Uh, now, the empire reached its peak under Emperor Ashoka, and this is huge, okay? He was known as a philosopher king. Uh, he embraced Buddhist teaching in 262 BC. He was very progressive. I think he, you know, even instated laws to, like, against like animal cruelty things like mm-hmm. way beyond his time that's cool um and what is interesting because ashoka he was like he was a he's a peaceful guy and i want i want the audience to keep this in mind i want us to remember the times of peace in india because there's going to be a lot of bloodshed Ugh. okay so nice. i mean if you got kids in the room uh, Hustle them the, out, the, show the, them, put them in front of Frozen, let them watch sure, that movie sure. on loop for a couple Maybe hours. Maybe just, uh, just tuck them in because it, things are going to get bloody. So okay. I, I want us to remember the good times. I want us to remember Ashoka, okay? Sure. Because uh, it's not it's not all green pastures. Dancing in the streets during mm-hmm, Ashoka. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, one of his the emperor's many legacies in is actually seen uh, in modern day, actually in the Indian national flag. Okay, it's central design is uh, in the Ashoka Chakra, a wheel with 24 spokes. Ashoka Chakra. Oh, yeah. Classic. So if you see the Indian flag, that center el- emblem is that is the symbol of Ashoka. That's so he's, very cool. He's, he's lived on to the modern day. That is very cool. His I legacy like that, that remains. Mm-hmm. Now, sadly, he died in 232 BC. I hope that's not a shock to anyone. Uh, <laughs> uh, condolences to any... Um, Brutal. Anyone that has been devastated by his his passing, I'll be okay. Uh, but I think they should have gotten over it by now. Mm-hmm. Um, now, after that, the empire, the <laughs> the Mauryan Empire, rapidly disintegrates, uh, collapsing altogether in 184 BC. That doesn't sound but good. It's not all grim. Uh, this this brings in our next golden age of the Guptas. Oh, Tell I was ready for that. something more dire to happen. Maybe <laughs> we're not quite there yet, right? So, in uh, AD 319, this is. Uh, uh, a guy that we are being introduced to at this point, whose name was Chandragupta the first, he was king of the little-known Gupta tribe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at that time they were nobodies. Nobodies. So the Guptas, whatever. Uh, who that? Right, so I'll tell you, the Gupta Empire grew rapidly under Chandragupta the second. That's three seventy-five to four thirteen. His rule. Yep. Yeah. The concepts of zero and infinity are widely believed to have been to have been devised by eminent Indian mathematicians during the reign of the Guptas. So this wh- is fascinating. That's amazing because what 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 was it like when you had nothing before that? What did they call it? Yeah, they were just called it be like uh, that stuff. I don't it's know, like, absence of stuff. It's less than having a thing. Right. It, and it's not the opposite of a thing either. <laughs> sure. Right. So it's kind of tricky. Now, this is fascinating though cuz I thought I don't know. I guess I was mistaken. Mm-hmm. I thought that 
uh, zero was an Arabic numeral. I've heard that as well. The Arabic culture. I've heard that as well. It's actually really interesting when mm-hmm. you talk about mathematics and Indian and Arab culture mm-hmm. because so the numbers that we use in the United States that number that is famous that is the those are Arabic numerals mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. but if you actually go to Arab countries such as Egypt they don't use those numbers they mm-hmm. actually use ones of like a of like a Hindi origin. What? So they actually use a different number system. So oh, that's funny. We use Arabic numerals. The Arabs use Indian numbers. I don't know. Maybe the Indians are using Roman numerals sure. nowadays. I don't know what's going on. Just everything's zero? Sure, sure. It's either zero or infinity. It's, it's just a so binary zero. system. Hi, this is Malisa Joes, International Lounge's foreign correspondent. I'm here in Varanasi with a renowned yoga teacher. Uh, my name is Sunil Kumajhingan. And I have been teaching yoga already uh, when I was only 15, I started teaching yoga and now I'm 47. And I quit in the army because of the, my love for yoga. How has yoga influenced uh, your livelihood today? And how do you think it interacts with uh, modern medicine? Uh, yoga, uh, it gives you real pleasure. And uh, that's why I was always feeling something missing deeply, something very deep missing. When I was busy in the army, uh, such a good job. But why I would quit? Because I was missing something very deep, which connects me with my soul. And it keeps you fit. Uh, It keeps you in tune with the cosmic energy. And uh, that's why uh, it it is helpful uh, for the prevention of the problems so one who would practice yoga would directly have the strengthening the nervous system in turn it's good for all the organs Uh, that's why uh, it's uh, quite uh, highly uh, medically recommended as well to do yoga you also have a long history of doing yoga for many years uh, and it's a part of your family so who is the first person in your family who began the practice of yoga uh, when I was scrolling, I seen my grandfather doing yoga, and that picture always stays in my mind still. Uh, it's a great motivation for me. That's great. That's Malsa Joes uh, signing off with International Lounge in Varanasi. So let's move on into sort of the showdown, okay? North meets South. The two most significant kingdoms were the Islamic. Bahmani Sultanate and the Hindu Vijayanagar Empire. Okay, mm. and now the battles between the two were among the bloodiest violence in Indian history. So remember this. Yikes. Remember in, in the in the we're not in the days of Ashoka anymore. Okay, yeah, right. things are getting bloody, and I'm hoping I'm hoping it ends Ooh. here. I'm hoping this is the last of tragedies. Uh, that India faces. We'll learn from our lessons but, uh, and uh, move on. But sadly, history uh, doesn't always appease your wishes. Right. So, so let's move on to a, another great era, the okay. mighty Mughals. So we got the Mughals, right. Uh, not the Mongols, mind you. Sure, the sure. Mughals. Yeah, not the Moguls. Not, not the Moguls. A, a P. Diddy or a Jay-Z. No, they're not known for their <laughs> business sense, necessarily. Sure. Uh, but they did usher in a more enlightened age, right? So mm-hmm. the Mughal Empire was massive mm-hmm. uh, at its height, covering almost the entire subcontinent, which is pretty big, right? So this era resulted in some of the finest architecture in India, including 
Shah Jahan's Taj Mahal. The classic. Not the not the casino and hotel, but right. uh, much, the Trump more, Towers. <laughs> much more than that. Right. So tell us a little bit about that. Shah Jahan, Taj Mahal, what's going on? There? All right. So this guy, Shah Jahan, 1627 to 1628. Uh, he yep. secured his position by executing all the male relatives who stood in his way. Okay. Oh. I'm sure okay. that won't come back to bite him. Right, uh, I'm sure there's there's no concept of, of karma in the, in, in India, no, is there? I'm, I'm sure there isn't. So let's talk about the Taj Mahal. Yeah, Taj Mahal. Okay, it's described as a teardrop on the cheek of eternity. Oh, that's, wow, wow, that's very that's yeah, beautiful, majestic, very poetic. Mm-hmm. So it was built by Shah Jahan as a memorial for his third wife. Oh, that's romantic. Just just his third. What about the first <laughs> <laughs> first two didn't really. They got maybe like they got a, like a ring for the first one. Sure. You got to keep upping the ante on that. Ouch! Wow, that's the. First By the time you get lives. to three, it has to be a. Uh, has to be some sort of wonder of the world. Right. Well, her name is Mumtaz Mahal. Mm-hmm. Uh, she died giving birth to their fourteenth child. Wow! Wow! wow. I, I, I'm pretty sure she had like near death experiences and like children like nine through thirteen. Oh, cool. And of he course. he just. He just, just keeps going it. for it. And now I'm wondering for a, for a guy that killed all his uh, male relatives, yeah. why did he want so many relatives around? Yeah, you that think he that produced. It's not really setting the right sure. example for your uh, progeny sure, there. Sure. So the death of her uh, left the emperor so heartbroken that his hair is said to have turned gray virtually overnight. Which obviously didn't happen, yeah, but uh, clearly, and also uh, boohoo. Uh, yeah, I mean, come on. Not the most sympathetic figure. Yeah, I mean, at this for point. this sort of. Uh, this sort of guy. Construction of the Taj began the following year, and although the main building is thought to have been built in eight years, the whole complex wasn't completed until 1653. Ooh, so, yeah. So that time. takes a little time. So not yeah. long after it was finished, Shah Jahan was overthrown by his son, Aurangzeb, and imprisoned in Agra Fort, where for the rest of his days, he could only gaze out at his creation through a window. That is, Isn't uh, that that's kind of poignant? That's interesting, right? It's like the only thing he gets to look at was mm-hmm. his greatest creation. Mm, interesting. That is interesting. Yeah, uh, another another interesting thing, um, in sort of tall tales associated with the uh, Taj Mahal, mm-hmm. is the um, they, they say that the builders, right, the builders mm-hmm. that built uh, the Taj Mahal, yeah. after it was constructed, he uh, cut off all their hands. Oh, great! Uh, again, great. it didn't happen, but <laughs> I love guy. stories like that because it's like. Why? What? They're just gonna build another Taj Mahal? They have sure. they have that much muscle memory. It, it's yeah. not just like remembering how it was built. Like I mean, there's like resources yeah, you need. Like, oh, they wake up in the middle of the night. They're yeah. like placing the blocks. Yeah, it's not like they were gonna they were gonna <laughs> like, crop oh. up like a Starbucks on every corner. I don't know what that what fear that was. Like, right. Oh no, they might build like fifty yeah. of these. They oh, gotta yeah. cut their hands off. That's I the apologize. only way. Yeah. yeah, that wasn't gonna happen. Why? Why were you so scared? Uh, following his death in 1666, Shah Jahan was buried here alongside his oh, wife. So oh, there you go. Uh, That's the story of Shah. United. And it feels so good. Epic. I actually did get to see the Taj Mahal. I did venture to India mm. um, for about a month. Saw the Taj Mahal. It's okay, but on a hot, sticky day. And just with like them, just and like the the entryway up to the Taj Mahal, all like the little knickknacks they're selling you. It's like, why do I need a snow globe of the Taj Mahal? I mean, sure, snow has never fallen, right? In that that's actually area. Uh, I don't know what that's depicting uh, or why I would want that. But uh, yeah. what what I found interesting was a lot of the the tours there, a lot of the audio guided tours or tour guides. It would always be like in in uh, both uh, Taj Mahal and Agra Fort. That's right there. 
uh, it's always kind of like they'll they'll talk about this glorious age, this mm. this 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 great the era killing off your right. brother's age, right? And it's always followed by the most awful, horrible things. So right. They'll be like, "This is where the Sultan would uh, uh, every morning tigers. tend to his tigers and pour tea." <laughs> and if you look to your left, this is where the uh, castrated eunuchs would be <laughs> would bathe in front of the sultan oh, how nice. it's always like the most terrible thing like there was yeah. one story about a woman uh, she uh, set herself on fire and jumped oh, off a God. balcony Holy and the, the, look at the careful marble mark <laughs> uh, the intricate design in which she fell to her death it's like <laughs> why am i why would i enjoy why am i still taking a picture of this Sure, sure. It's awful. Really, yeah, as you're in mid snap, you're <laughs> yeah. like, oh, yeah. I still, I still get, I still get my picture in front of it. It's like this yeah. is where a young female <laughs> fell to her tragic death. Sure. But the the marble floor is so beautiful. It's mm. designed. It's just, anything intricate meant people killed themselves or mm. suffered through some horrible death. Okay. Or d- eunuchs or some sort of, um, some sort of a. Uh, uh, pedophile-related oh, relationships. Sure. <laughs> so that sure. always kind of creeps its way in, in decadence. That it always manages to, to manifest. So. I thought something was missing. So, yeah. So, I mean, you, you got to take the good with the bad. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's final final takeaway there <laughs> from the Taj Mahal. Uh, so, can you tell us a little bit about the rise of European power? Well, you knew it was coming, right? It had to happen at some point. Oh, yeah. here, so. I mean, it's inevitable. Yeah, the Portuguese. <laughs> always. Always. <laughs> knocking know, at your door. You know, I used to live in Hawaii, and yep. uh, as they're called there, the Portuguese. Yes. Mm. They, is that a slur of any sort? Or that's uh, well, just no, name? it's just sort of uh, the way Pigeon English mm-hmm. works, but sure. um, the, there were plenty of slurs, yeah. Mm-hmm. So they, uh, they sort of had... Uh, I heard, call them porties if I wanted porties, to. Porties, sure, yeah. The, there's some <laughs> jokes that are uh, not the most uh, flattering jokes mm-hmm. I've ever heard told mm-hmm. about the Portuguese out there in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. The Portuguese... <laughs> They sought a sea route to the east so they could always. trade directly in spice. It's always for the spice. It's like the spice trade. Yeah. I don't know. I, I It always took me a while to wrap my head around, like, why are spices such a big deal? Like, yeah. it's just the flavoring. Like, why Why is cayenne? People are, are, are seafaring across the globe and, and <laughs> murdering. Speaking from my own experience, yeah. um, you don't want to overdo it with that. Sure. I mean, sure. pepper, for example, sure. should be used in moderation. Sure. Of course, yeah. you know, right? We've Actually, ruins the food if you use too yeah. much. In uh, the sixth grade uh, social studies, they mm-hmm. don't really tell you yeah. the answer to that question. Yeah, no, you never know. Which just... is apparently for preservation yeah, of the meat, it right? Cures the, the meat because nobody has longer. a freaking fridge. Yeah, and that's all. That's what it came down to. But they never explain that to you. I'm just thinking, like, well, why is flavor yeah, like, worth risking uh, life and really limb for? Really likes their dry rubs. <laughs> yeah, it's like, like what? listen, guys, you just need like kind of a a, a pinch of that cardamom, yeah. you know, not too much. You're sailing around like the stormy Cape of Good Hope or whatever, just so you can get a little bit of like turmeric for your sure. curry. I mean, sure, jeez, man. Hey. Yep. That's when the East India Company enters the picture, though. I think you know another oh. another sort of title or name from a from high school history class that might ring some bells, yeah. right? Yep. This is one of these uh, European trading companies. So in 1600, Queen Elizabeth I granted a charter to a London trading company that gave it a monopoly on British trade with India. British trading posts were established at Madras, uh, now known as Chennai, Bombay, now known as Mumbai, and Calcutta, which is now. Kolkata. Yeah. Well, I mean, really, it's actually those were the original names, 
And this is sort of the Britishizing of names. Pronounce it wrong and yeah, then insist that. that was the name. <laughs> That's I mean, really I did, uh, great. I think, uh, it's uh, uh, the, the ancient city of uh, Varanasi. The British just said it wrong yeah. and they called it Benares. Wow, and which is weird because it's it, they sort of imply like, well, that's just another name. Like, well, no, no you, you're just saying you're just it wrong. wrong. <laughs> you you can't just say a name wrong and be like, no, but that's just what we call it. It's like, right. okay, right, right. Just yeah. it's like the same thing with uh, I think Peking in China, mm-hmm. right? Oh, that's yeah. just Beijing, right? Yeah. It's just them just is, butchering that, the names. Is that what happened in that? Yeah, too? that's all it is. And they almost like say like, oh, but also known as no, 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 no. no just no. you guys. No, you guys call it that. Don't know what you're doing. You're wrong. It's it's a form of it's a, a linguistic imperialism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that it is. <laughs> so I mean that is very true. So for nearly two hundred fifty years, a commercial trading company and not the British government, quote unquote, ruled. Which is crazy, right? British for India. a company to now be owning or controlling a, a foreign land. Yeah. So uh, in sixteen seventy two, the French. Uh, had established themselves at Pondicherry, mm-hmm. and the stage was set for more than a century of rivalry between the British and the French. But, but Britain's surge to power was an important thing because uh, from 1784 onwards, the British government in London began to take a more direct role supervising affairs in India. Gee, I wonder if that's because they uh, don't have some other places on the planet mm-hmm. to worry about. <laughs> so by the early 19th century, India was effectively under British control. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, 1784, I mean... Just less than a decade earlier, they've already had mm. some uh, some major losses, yeah. Uh, yeah. famously on American soil. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, they, they had to sort of uh Seemed like they sort of insinuated themselves kind of gradually into yeah. the system. There. Yeah. Yep. Mm. That's that's sort of their, that was their, uh, their M.O. Mm-hmm. Hi, I'm Malisa Joas, and I'm here with International Lounge, and we're in Varanasi, of course. And we are speaking with a musical master, tabla master, and we were getting some insight into the spiritual significance of this beautiful art. Could you please introduce yourself? Uh, myself, uh, Deep Prakas Bablu, and double graduate tabla, and running Ankit Music House uh, Center since 20 years. I'm teaching in this center. Uh, we were speaking earlier about the spiritual connection that music brings. Can you give some uh, comment on that? Uh, first comment, uh, music is the root, river and the wind that makes the world dance. About the music, music is international language. About the drum, tabla I can say, the healing drum. This actually, tabla actually create from Pakhawach. Pakhawach create through Mridanga, something like 5,500 5, years before. And before on Mridanga, we use the ropes and the metal rings. And after that, we start using leather and the wooden ball. And same instruments in became in two parts, something like 400 years between 400 between 450 years before. Uh, these instruments came in history tabla, and uh, is uh, first uh, means. Uh, Means people say is Amir Khusro, you know, he was the person who started this. And there is a sixth family in Tabla. There is a division in Tabla, Delhi and East. Delhi Tabla is a soft and sweet, and East Tabla is a powerful Tabla. There is one family which is called Punjab family. This separate technique, then these all five techniques. Most of the open like words of the Mridanga, they mute on the uh, Tabla. 
you gave uh, some tal, yeah. and there's a number of beats, uh, yeah. rhythmic uh, patterns, which are present in, in Indian classical music. Yeah. Uh, can you give uh, an example of one of the classic tals, teen tal, yeah. and then also play maybe a small example of what teen tal sounds like? Tintal actually, uh, the first thing, what is the meaning of tal? So tal actually in the music, vocal, instrumental, and the dance. So time measurement work, or another way you can say rhythmic cycle work, uh, we call tal. Mm -hmm. So like example is the name is tintal. So there are different, different reason of keeping the name of tals. So for this you need to study in the book more detail. But example like tintal, so tin means three. Tal, I explained you before. So there is a three clap. Uh, so the reason is that the name is Tinta. Mm -hmm. Some Tal like Rudra Tal. So Rudra means angry. God means Shiva is the angry. So Rudra Tal. So like these kinds of uh, examples for the Tals. Tintal actually division is a four. Each part you have four beats. There is a three clap. First clap on the first beat. Second clap on the fifth beat. And... Uh, on the ninth beat, you are opening the hand. There is, we call empty or khali. And on 13 beats, there is third clap. Like example, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. So cross, 2, 0, 3. Means first clap, second clap, hand open, third clap. So this, and the wordings of uh, Tintal, Delhi technique is like, Na din din na, na din din na, na tin tin na, na din din na. So this is daily means uh, rhythmic cycle, which we call theka. So theka means like a permission. So this is the Hindi word. So main rhythmic cycle of 16 is in the East pattern we use like dha din din dha, dha din din dha, dha tin tin ta, ta din din na. So in this lesson you have work right and left together. So first daily technique which is like na din din na na din din na na tin tin na na din din na so this is daily technique so now the east pattern is together is running da din din na Thank you for that. You gave example of a rudra, rudra thought, yeah. which is ang angry. Eleven beats, yeah. yeah. Rudra means anger. Anger. Yeah. So could you show an example of that? Like here, like rhythmic cycle. Thank you very much. So let's talk about the road uh, to independence, okay? Mm -hmm. Okay. So opposition to the British increased at the turn of the 20th century, spearheaded by the Indian National Congress. Okay, remember these guys. They're, mm -hmm. they're huge players in, in what happens next. All right. Now, with the outbreak of World War II, more than one million Indian volunteers 
were enlisted, suffering more than 100,000 casualties. Oh, damn. Uh, contribution uh, was sanctioned by the Congress leaders, uh, largely with the expectation that it would be rewarded after the war. However, no such rewards transpired, oh. and they were livid. Okay? Ew. Now, Awkward. this is massive what happens next, okay? All right. In April 1919, following riots in Amritsar, a British army contingent was set to quell the unrest. And under direct orders of the officer in charge, they ruthlessly fired into a crowd of unarmed protesters, point-blank range. Oh. Known, this is the Amritsar Massacre. Bad okay? move. And Bad the move. British need to know this. Every yeah. time there's a massacre against civilians, They're gonna be, a revolution will happen. You guys just have, know that. They did this before. This just happened. Oh, man. <laughs> I didn't know that. They really were uh, trigger happy there, yeah, weren't they? Yeah. No. So they, they, they uh, really need to uh, learn from history a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what happens next uh, will set the course of Indian history. So at this time, this massacre happens. It's major story throughout India. The Congress movement found a new leader mm. in an in up-and-coming fella. Donald Trump. <laughs> uh, more, more illustrious than oh. that. Oh, okay. The great Mohandas Gandhi. Of course. Now, yes. Please tell us a bit about him. Well, Mohandas Gandhi, yeah, this is this is a name that we should recognize, right? So he's Mohandas Karamchand Gandhi was born on October second, eighteen sixty nine, in Porbandar, Gujarat. Just a just a poor Guju boy trying to make a difference. You know that's classic. Tale. That's how the old story goes. Oh, sure, you sure. And after studying in London, mm-hmm. uh, just a hop, skip, and a jump over the pond, mm-hmm. right? Sure. Uh, Big jump. You know, uh, that was from 1888 to ni- 1891. He worked as a barrister in mm-hmm. South Africa. Mm-hmm. Now, let's l- make sure our audience isn't confused. Yeah. This isn't a barista. Sure. <laughs> he was not working at Starbucks. Not just making uh, mocha lattes. Nope. Or uh, espressos. Nothing <laughs> of the sort. In fact... He was a lawyer. Sure, sure. Though he, not to say he wouldn't be a great barista. I think he'd be excellent at a lot of things. Sure. You know, talented uh, man. Fashion sense as well. Right? Sure, sure. So uh, he returned to India in 1915 with the doctrine of ahimsa, which means nonviolence. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and within a year, he'd won his first victory defending farmers from exploitation. This is when it said he first received his title Mahatma from an admirer, which means great soul. Ooh, not good right. soul, right. not okay soul. Just great. Great soul. From an admirer, which is, that's yes, a wow. admirer. Ooh. Uh, this is getting juicy. <laughs> getting... Uh, but that's interesting. So it's Mahatma is the title. So it's the Mahatma, Mohandas right. Gandhi. Yeah, that is very, the great soul. Right. Okay. So by 1920, Gandhi was a key figure in the Indian National Congress. He coordinated a national campaign of non-cooperation or Satyagraha to British rule. That means nonviolent protest. Mm-hmm. That's what he's known for. That is his thing, right? Uh, and the Salt March is the next event which we need to look at. So the mm-hmm. Salt March. This is big. This is a big deal. It happened in early 1930, and that's when Gandhi captured the imagination of the country and the world when he led a march of several thousand followers from Ahmedabad to Dandi on the coast of Gujarat. On arrival, Gandhi ceremoniously made salt by evaporating seawater, thus publicly defying the much-hated salt tax. Mm, and see, the British, mm-hmm. the British need to learn to the. <laughs> Taxing on things people use every second of the day. Yeah, not is, a good move. Never works. And don't let your subjects go to the water to protest you. Yeah. That's a place where bad <laughs> stuff is going to happen. And it's the salt that broke the camel's back. That's right. That's how the phrase goes. <laughs> yes. In 1942, he led the Quit India campaign in which he urged the British to leave India immediately. Um, turns out they didn't go that quickly. 
Mm -mm, uh, too legit to quit? No, yeah. So independence bargaining that followed the end of World War II, uh, Gandhi was largely excluded, and he watched helplessly as plans were made to partition the country. A dire tragedy in his eyes. So on his way to a prayer meeting in Delhi on the 30th of January, 1948, he was assassinated by a Hindu zealot named Natharam Gotsa. Um, now, I've heard of John Wilkes Booth. Yeah. I've heard of... Uh, that's the only one I've heard of. But <laughs> sure. There's some others. You know. Often assassins <laughs> typically have a, a three names. It's a John Wilkes Booth right. and a... Right. Uh, I want to say uh, uh, William H. Macy. William H. Macy. <laughs> <laughs> sure. sure. Something sure. along those lines. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. So Goza, he needs a middle name. He might have had one, maybe. How about Jerk? Is that, yeah, is I, that think, one? I think that would be appropriate. Yeah, that would. Um, now, um, I just want to take a moment to, to like, you know, we, we you know, always hear about Gandhi. We all know, mm-hmm. we know about his nonviolence, mm-hmm. right? But what's amazing about it is, not only is, like, we know, not, like, violence is bad. We all get that. Yeah, <laughs> okay. sure. Right. But think about this. Throughout Indian history, not since the days of Ashoka, mm-hmm. has there been really a you know, peace. There's just been war and bloodshed mm-hmm. time and time again mm-hmm. throughout Indian history and really throughout the world. I mean, there's this is the age of imperialism, just so many wars happening. Right. For Gandhi to stand up, you know, against the British, mm-hmm. the most like advanced imperial power, and yeah. to say we're gonna do this with nonviolence. Right. Is Pretty revolutionary. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just to put it into that perspective, sure. that's a revolutionary idea. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, not just for the simple like morality of nonviolence, but for as a technique. Mm-hmm. This was actually an ingenious tool because you have a British Empire with an army backing them, and you know you're the Indian people, and you don't have that kind of defense system. You can't fight that. Directly. How else can you do it? He does it through nonviolent protest, mm-hmm, and is actually mm-hmm. successful. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. That's mm-hmm. ingenious. That's yeah. cr- like. That took a lot of like ingenuity, a lot of courage, and I don't know if it's if it's too late. But if the Nobel Committee can uh, posthumously award this man, they haven't done that yet. <laughs> I think famously Gandhi uh, has not uh, did not win a Peace Prize. What the heck? I'm sure there were some stipulations. People? It may have been. I think they actually can't give it to somebody. That died. I think that's also that's what I've heard about in the in the context of you know the Watson and Crick and the woman whose name escapes me sadly Rosalind Franklin. Rosalind Franklin. I think she had died Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, prior to the awarding of the Nobel Prize, and Mm. I think that was the reason why. So I guess because she was a woman. Mm. I think they can ease up on these things. I mean, I it's just like so a, it's just a prize. Yeah, <laughs> just, just, just come on, guys. Do what makes maybe, people maybe happy. Give one to Gandhi. Don't uh, worry about the rules. Whatever. No one's really keeping tabs on it. Okay. In any case, Gandhi's a great guy. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're the first to say that, and hopefully not the last. Yeah. But I do want to mention there is one guy not a big fan of Gandhi's, mm-hmm. other than obviously Nathuram Gadsi, mm-hmm. um, and that is Harilal Gandhi, his eldest son. What? Yes, unfortunately. Um, you know, Gandhi didn't read too many of the uh, Bill Cosby dad books yes. about raising kids. Sure, sure. Uh, and fortunately, his son, his oldest son, uh, they had a troubled relationship, and he let they were, you know, they were estranged for a while. He just 
Mm. Stopped communicating. He turned to alcoholism. He actually converted to Islam. Oh, that's a step. He eventually converts back, but slap in the face. There, he has a lot of that going on. There's actually a lot of this is depicted in the film Gandhi, My Father. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sad story. I think he like ends up like just dying from liver failure from the alcoholism. Doesn't go well. Real sad. It really was because this was eldest son, so he knew him in the days of being a barrister. So they're living the good life. He's a, he's a hot shot lawyer. Starbucks together. You know, yeah. he's getting all the frappuccinos he wants. Sure. And he's Sounds living the nice. good life. Then all of a sudden, they switch gears. And mm. Now they're living this simple life. And he doesn't like that. He's not, you okay. know. And I think that transition is why his eldest son is one that sort of had this issue where his other sons didn't, or his other children didn't really know that life. Oh, so, okay. It so wasn't. It wasn't a drastic. The old change have then have not story. Yeah, that'll do it. That'll do it. Let's 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 move on. Let's talk a little bit about uh, independence and the partition of India. So Gandhi did great things. Brought uh, brought uh, you know this uh, this uh, revolution uh, uh, for India. Mm-hmm. Uh, toppled the the British Empire through peace. Amazing, right? Miraculous. However, the peace does not last. Uh, so we've got independence now. Okay, two major Indian parties: the Muslim League, led led by Muhammad Ali Jinnah. Uh, mm. He was all about a separate Islamic state. Then you got the Congress Party, led by Jawaharlal Nehru. Uh, he wanted uh, an independent Greater India. Okay, now okay. they did get independence. Oh, all on right. August fifteenth, nineteen forty-seven. This is massive. It's big, right? Mm-hmm. Now, but however, this partition of India was not so simple, okay? Dividing the country... Yeah, this into, is where it gets ugly. Yeah. Dividing the country into separate Hindu and Muslim territories was immensely tricky. Yeah. Uh, the dividing line was almost impossible to draw. I mean, sure. there's going through people's homes. Yeah. You know, if you happen to be on the wrong side of the kitchen, forget it. You were... Pakistan. Grandma's bedroom is on the Muslim <laughs> sure, side. Sure. Yeah. Now, they had some British referee. He was given the task of drawing the borders. Oh, sure, uh, he did a great job. He knew yeah. this was going to be a disaster. I don't even know what he even did. He yeah. probably just... If he spilled ketchup on the map, all of a sudden, yeah, you know, would, you're, uh, you're waving a different flag. Sure, yeah. So... Uh, really, the uh, the Punjab region was really the most disastrous uh, area okay. where this actually, uh, where where we see uh, you know problems taking place. So, oh, okay. uh, huge population exchanges took place. Uh, trains full of Muslims going westward were held up and slaughtered Whoa. by Hindus and Sikhs. And on the way, on the other side, Hindus and Sikhs going eastward suffered the same fate by the Muslims. Oh so, my God! By the time the Punjab uh, chaos had run its course. More than 10 million people had changed sides, and at least 500,000 had been killed. Whoa! So, fortunately, uh, you know, this is, I mean, Gandhi did not want to see this happen. This is the exact thing he wanted to avoid. Boy. That's why he wanted one uh, one state, one, That's rough, one India. Um, but, yeah, as we can see. So, mm. uh, sadly, although he, he brought, you know, that nonviolence, that peace, mm-hmm. it goes right back to the bloodshed. He's gone. But now I know a lot of this is exemplified primarily in the Kashmir region. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so Kashmir is, you know, obviously, if you follow the international current events, you're going to know a little bit about Kashmir because it is a flashpoint, right? So Kashmir is the most enduring symbol of the turbulent partition of India. In the lead up to independence, the delicate task of drawing the India Pakistan border was complicated by the fact that India's princely states were independent. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, as part of the settlement process, local rulers were asked which country they wished to belong to. So, it's just not a big deal. Do you want this one? Yeah. Do you want that? I don't know how I would choose. I would flip a coin, I think. Yeah. 
Kashmir was a predominantly Muslim state with a Hindu Maharaja, Hari Singh, who tried to delay his decision. Right? So you just, you get one of those really light coins, you flip it, (laughs) and you just, it gets stuck in a tree, and you're like, oh, we'll look for the coin. Right? So a ragtag Pakistani army crossed the border, intent on annexing Kashmir for Pakistan. They wanted it for themselves. Sure. The Maharaja panicked and requested armed assistance from the Indian army. The Maharaja signed the instrument of accession, tying Kashmir to India in October 1947. The legality of the document was immediately disputed by Pakistan, and the two nations went to war just two months after independence. Oh, this is a rough time period. Kashmir is not just a a soft, warm sweater on a cold day. No, it is uh, one of those hair shirts. Sure. It's a prickly one. Sure. Sure. So let's talk a little bit what happened after independence, okay? So uh, Nehru... uh, Died in 1964, mm-hmm. uh, and his daughter Indira Gandhi, no relation to Mahatma Gandhi, okay, um, so just popular name, sure, uh, was elected as prime minister in 1966. So let's talk a little bit about Indira Gandhi. Um, so she was able to boost the economy, control inflation, uh, was remarkably well in uh, in increasing efficiency of the nation. Mm-hmm. However, on the other side, um, you know. Political opponents were often in prison, so she kind of, um, you know, had this uh, this other side to her. Mm. Uh, but I think generally, overall, she did good things for the nation. However, not everyone thought so, and she was assassinated in 1984 by one of her Sikh bodyguards. Boy, this okay? is a assassin happy yeah. place, <laughs> yes. isn't it? There's everybody's there fingers a, on the trigger. Passion for assassin. Yeah, uh, the old assassin passion. Oh yeah, can't of, avoid it. We should release that video game. <laughs> Sure, it's already out there on the Xboxes. Yeah. Now let's flash forward to uh, the modern era. Uh, in 2014, elections um, for the unpopular Congress party suffered a humiliating defeat under the shaky leadership of Rahul Gandhi, which is Indira's grandson. So oh. kind of this lineage going yeah, on it's here. It's like the Clintons, kind of. Sure. Um, now, uh, and this guy, Narendra Modi, swept to power in a landslide victory. Now, the problem is some continue to ask questions about Modi's role in the deadly riots in Gujarat in 2002, which killed nearly a thousand people, most of them Muslims. So, again, we got, you know, we've got some more. Uh, hmm. uh, Do they think he planned it or something? They think they're, they he was heavily involved in that. Hmm. Uh, so um, we'll see. We'll see how uh, how Modi's uh, future looks. Hmm. But uh, I'm hopeful for uh, for India. Yeah, and, that maybe now yeah. we can stop assassinating each other yeah. and just lock that yeah. thing down. I think we should all we should all look to the wheel, Ashoka's wheel on the uh, on the flag and remember remember the good old days. I'm Miles Jose with International Lounge. We're here at the Rajgat at the Gandhi Memorial and we met some people who are doing a piece on the assassination of Gandhi and we were wondering if you had any thoughts or could share uh, the theories behind the assassination of Gandhi. Well it's interesting to kind of look at the opponents to Gandhi as um, they're in opposition to his practice of non-violence and I think a lot of the fact that he got killed by a Hindu is um, kind of indicates that there's two competing ideologies of what India should become. Um, so the fact that, you know, at first Gandhi was 
he was really opposed to partition. And then he kind of got strong-armed or got kind of got led to believe that I was like the only way to prevent such mass, massive um, genocide of the Muslims inside of uh, India. So it's kind of interesting that um, he was actually killed by one of his own. He was killed by another Hindu. Um, that's what we kind of find interesting, and um, there's that those competing Hindu ideologies of what India should become. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any personal motivation for producing this film? Well, Gandhi, we're at an age now where I think, I mean, even in India, like a lot of people don't even know who Gandhi is. We're coming up on the 65th anniversary of his assassination next January. Um, there's still some people that were around at that time that are still alive. So we see it's an important and maybe a last opportunity to speak with some of these people that were alive when he was around. Well, we really appreciate your time and sharing your thoughts with us, and we look forward to uh, seeing your documentary when it comes out. So uh, now is the segment that uh, we like to call the travelogue. Now that Mm -hmm. we're finished with history, it's time to move on to our four key questions that we like to ask to our travelers. Mm -hmm. And today, the traveler is you. Me? Andrew. Wow. You were that chosen exciting. Thank by you. the powers that be. Well, it's great to be here. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would uh, love to tell you about my, uh, my travel, my travel to India. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did uh, spend a month there. Uh, started off in uh, Bangalore for two weeks. Headed up to the holy city of Varanasi. Mm-hmm. Stopped over to Jaipur, Agra. Flew out from Delhi. So uh, quite, wow. a, uh, quite a smorgasbord or tali of... Uh, of travel. Oh, it's a melange of experiences mm-hmm, there. Mm-hmm. A spicy stew, you might say. <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, let's uh, start with the first one, which is what was your favorite city? Oh, I'm going to go with Bangalore because of just the 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 vibe, the people. Uh, they describe Bangalore as the uh, Silicon Valley of India. It's a very tech-heavy mm-hmm. place, mm-hmm. but it's also got a lot of history. Um, you know, a lot of a uh, lot of like old buildings, um, a lot of close-knit um, families, uh, close-knit communities. Uh, it's not a wild, you know, party like Mumbai. It's not a crowded, uh, uh, bureaucratic uh, mm. type of city like Delhi. Mm. Even though Delhi is great, it's amazing in and of itself, but I think there's just something special about Bangalore. Um, a lot of fun there. Um Food is great. Uh, you know, South Indian food in itself is unique. Uh, gotta love the dosas. Um, Those dosas are uh, important, uh, right? High yeah. dose of well, dosas. High dose of dosas. <laughs> Do- a cuisine which has been exported across the world. Sure, sure. Uh, so yeah, so I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with Bangalore. Going with Bangalore. Yeah. All right, it's folks. a different experience. I mean, the north and the south, as we've described, are you know very different. Uh, different history, and it sort of reflects in the culture, the people, and the mentality of those people in the city. All right. Well, what what were the locals you met like? Uh, again, I think yeah, especially in Bangalore, thought they were great. I had met up actually with a, uh, a group of uh, it was an improv comedy troupe, actually, <laughs> in Bangalore. That's great. Um, which is interesting was the Yours Truly Theater. So a uh, shout out to them. Oh, the Yours uh, Truly Theater. Yeah. That's so nice. they're great. They're they're just the, a group of uh, artists in Bangalore. They do improv comedy. They do all kinds of plays. They actually even what's great about them is they've act, they actually do a lot for the community, especially yeah. for children like poor communities. They'll actually oh, cool. go out and do performances for kids. Yeah. Uh, which is great because that's like it was that's interesting because awesome. it's like they're doing what they love. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of these people have like day jobs and they do all kinds of things, but they also like doing what they love and also have this, uh, this wanting to give back, mm. which I thought was really cool. Yeah. And, uh, very nice people, very generous. I got a chance to actually, uh, uh, just on the cuff, uh, teach one of their improv classes, which was Whoa, a great really? time. Yeah. It was, was, uh, you remember what the topic was, uh, I, <laughs> how not to sweat is <laughs> how not to on stage sweats. From every pore yeah. in your body, even if you've just been eating uh, seventeen doses. I, I did learn that there's an equivalent to uh, Chuck Norris. Uh, whoa, 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 whoa! Stop they have their everything. own. You know their Chuck. You know the Chuck Norris jokes. I can't remember. It's like Rod, Rod, Ranjeev or some. No, Rod these aren't Jeev jokes Kong? about. These aren't Indian jokes about Chuck Norris. These no, no, no. Jokes they, about an Indian Chuck Norris. There's like a, their own version of Chuck Norris jokes for this sure. other this this. This other like action swashbuckling, hero. yeah, okay. which is amazing. That's that <laughs> is amazing. I think it's like Ra- Ra- Rajiv Kant or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, which was you know. So what's great is how universal uh, these type of jokes are. <laughs> okay, I'm sure every nation has their own Chuck Norris, yeah, which yeah, is beautiful. Right. right, that is nice. Uh, yes. Yeah. So we're really maybe we're that's all the an, same. a next segment sure. for the for the next episode. Yes. Right, is who is the Chuck Norris <laughs> of this, this nation? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. In the United States, it's Chuck Norris. <laughs> sure, sure. sure. <laughs> All right. What? Well, this is our third question. What was the strangest thing that you ate? Okay. While you were in India. So, I would say the strangest thing I ate. It wasn't necessarily Indian food, but it was sort of an Indian interpretation mm. of an American food. Oh, I'm excited. Or I just think it was a guy that made a mistake. Uh, okay. uh, so what I like to sometimes do is I like to explore around the world the. Uh, the Pizza Huts of the world. Oh, this is funny. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, you know, I even in, you know, wherever I go, I went to the Pizza Hut in Tahrir Square in Cairo. Mm. Oh, wow. And just, just I like to just compare. You Revolutionary know? pizza. <laughs> sure, sure. Yes, mm. indeed. Right. Um, so, I, uh, I we went there. I ordered a pizza with a, um, it was supposed to have like a balsamic type of topping on it. That's weird. And which is like okay, sure. That's what they. Uh, that's vaguely, what they're about. That sounds Italian, so okay. Sure, yeah. I think they said, oh yeah, sure. That's this is, uh... <laughs> this is an Italian thing. And so I order it, and they come out, and it looks sort of like balsamic, but then I mm. smell it, and there's just a rich chocolatey odor what? emanating from this pizza. Uh, and the guy is telling me, I'm telling <laughs> oh, this is chocolate, like, and he's just like, oh no, 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 no. this is balsamic. He's pointing, no. like, no, 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 and no. he keeps insisting, and I keep telling him, I was like, no, taste it. Taste the yeah, pizza. This is, this not... is chocolate. Yeah. He refused to taste it. He refused to smell it. Uh, I kept insisting. It's like the thing is, if it smells like chocolate, it tastes like chocolate, looks like chocolate, chocolate. and is chocolate, then it's chocolate. Yeah. What okay. is, now? Could this be a language problem where he actually thought the word balsamic was the word for no, chocolate? No, I think this was a. There was two bottles that looked the same, and he just grabbed one of them, and that was it. That's but amazing. he just didn't want to believe me, even yeah, though all the sure, evidence was sure, there. Sure. So. Huh. Um, Wow. I would say that was one of the more interesting um, meals that I had. Uh, Pizza-related willful denial. Sure. This is a, a case of <laughs> denial. Quiz, cuisine denial. <laughs> well, I think uh, the training at Pizza Hut is to uh, always just defend the sure. defend the pizza. Don't allow any weaknesses right. to penetrate. Right. This is a hut yeah. that they have to defend it's, it's, its it, honor. At and all costs. Who knows? Maybe it'll be revolutionary and we'll just see it around the world. Uh, well, yeah. Until that happens, uh, let's let's talk about the last question, which is, uh, what was the scariest moment? For you? Ooh, okay. 
So I'm going to say that was probably uh, a night in Varanasi. So okay. Varanasi is the, the holy city, the ancient city. Yeah, it's supposed to be holy. Previously known as Kashi. Okay. Uh, not, oh, just like the Syria. Not the, but there were not seven whole grains on a mission. <laughs> okay. There were two travelers on a mission to get home before it got dark. Oh, because after that... So, yeah, happens? it gets a bit scary. I know it's on, it's on the Ganges. Mm-hmm. Um, it's beautiful. But at nighttime, it gets a, it gets a bit scary. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the sun was coming down. Again, I had just had a... A lovely pizza. Sure. Oh, <laughs> I love pizza. I love Indian pizza. Huh? Yeah, it was great. Cool. Um, so we're walking along the ghats, the sort of the uh, different uh, uh, little uh, ports there along the river. Okay. Uh, and it's just all of a sudden, it's just the mood changed. I mean, mm. there's just like, I mean, they have the ceremonious fires uh, in the river, um, mm. but it was just a, just in the context of the evening of uh, the twilight, uh, it gets right. a little bit scary. Plus, sure, there's, sure. I mean, there's just dogs barking, packs of children. There's actually a lot of monkeys <laughs> that just leap from buildings. Um, there was just some gentlemen trying to sell drugs to me. Oh, no. As, okay. as a traveler, they're, they're going to assume These that's what you're to be for. universal, sketchy so, area things. Happen. So uh, me and my co-traveler um, were just... We we're just racing to get home, just running along the guts, completely terrified. We okay. run into our hotel. We close the door. We go to sleep right away. We look at the clock. Well, it is maybe seven thirty p.m. Oh my god! <laughs> what the heck? So uh, oh, it's a real change, it's a real turn there. <laughs> at seven p.m. Sure, sure. So just remember, if you are time. traveling there, just just. Uh, yeah. Just uh, eat your pizza or don't order that second pie. Get Just home early. And, get moving. And, and another scary time was at the zoo at Mysore. Okay. Now, this was pandemonium minus the pandas. Okay. Uh, we get in there and uh, there's a tiger pit and there was a guy who climbs over the fence into the tiger pit. Oh, my God. And starts throwing rocks at the tiger and yelling at him. And they're just like the tigers there, and it's like a Mexican standoff. Just like the two of them, just okay. like eye to eye. Everyone's crowded around, mm-hmm. just waiting for disaster to happen. Just bloodshed. Yeah, it was terrifying uh, to witness. Uh, eventually, security comes, takes this guy away. Was he I, insane? Or he, I think he just was mad at the tiger. I don't know what sort of grievances sure. right. they had, mm-hmm. but I don't understand what he wanted. He like was like taunting the tiger to do something. So like, like murder me! Like, I dare you! Why is he teasing a tiger? When has that ever ended up well? Yeah, so he's actually lucky he just got arrested, right? I mean, yeah. He could have been yeah. Yeah. pretty well but eviscerated. What's interesting about this zoo was that there was a lot of people there, like tourists there, that were like climbing over fences and like getting up close and personal with the animals. Now, is this because there's a different <laughs> population at your, let's say, Indian zoo than you might find at, I don't know, the Bronx Zoo, the San Diego <laughs> Zoo? Is this people who are generally more familiar with beasts of the wilderness? I think that there is just lacking uh, security and respect for the rules. Got it. I think is what it comes down to. Um, but it goes both ways because uh, even uh, even uh, during that same day, there was a I witnessed a monkey... Uh, steal a bag of chips from somebody. <laughs> like, it was a crazy monkey. I don't think the monkey was part of the zoo. It was just a freelance monkey. Oh, who, that's even funnier. That would just took Loose the bag monkey. of chips. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, this was really, for a zoo, this was really uh, probably one of the more scarier experiences uh, that I've had. So nobody got their face ripped off 
but I would imagine some goodness was experienced with the the chips, right? The monkey ate those well, chips. Well, yeah. If, it, if I want to know basically <laughs> what I'm asking you, did the monkey eat the chips? <laughs> the monkey did eat the chips. Okay, great. That's a happy story. Uh, no dip, though. <laughs> uncivilized beasts. Okay, so that brings us to the four F's of cultural survival. That's right. Film, fiction, food, and funk. So, let's start off with film. I mean, when you, when you talk about India, you talk about film, naturally it's going to be Bollywood. Mm. Uh, two... Two key films I just want to pull from here. I'm a big fan of the 90s era. I mean, there's definitely classic Bollywood. There's modern Bollywood. All right. I think the 90s were just a great time. Sure. Um, My two recommendations are going to be Kuch Kuch Hotehe and Dilse. Great soundtracks. Um, So, audience, uh, just uh, rent those and just have yourself a good time. Yeah. Maybe order some takeout. Yeah. That'd be great. Get get yourself some some Dosa. Dosa Hut. Uh, Yeah. Dosa Hut, Chot House, whatever is... Sure. uh, Whatever you're feeling that night. Now, I'm also a big fan of uh, director Mira Nair. Okay? okay, she does Monsoon Wedding, Salam Bombay. She did an adaptation of the book, The Namesake. Okay. Uh, again, those I'm gonna put those recommendations out there. Solid. Uh, also, I'm gonna put 1982's film Gandhi. Uh, it's like three hours, so it's just a, just a light-hearted uh, rom-com. Right. Uh, you can just watch on a rainy day. Uh, perhaps on a date, so enjoy that one as well. That's very cool. Cool, yeah. <laughs> so uh, tell us, tell us, uh, tell us some uh, some fiction picks. Yeah, some fiction picks. This is some liter- literature for uh, <laughs> for all of you listeners. So we got Midnight's Children is a book that I recommend checking out because that is uh, from this guy Salman Rushdie. Oh yeah, right? who is uh, ethnically Indian, I believe, uh, I so. but he's also a British citizen. Yeah, so it could, yeah. I'm not sure if he grew up yeah, yeah. in either he was, place. He was on the run. Yes. So, hiding? well, I believe this is the. Um, oh, is you know, it, is, is the it this one? Versus. Yeah, that yeah. was so. This that's right. This book called the Satanic Verses is what got him uh, a, a, some hot a water penalty there. put on his uh, his life. There's there. a fatwa there's going, a, going a around. Fatwa, yes. You do not want a fatwa on you. You don't want a fatwa whether you're skinny or fat. <laughs> you do, it does not matter. Yep. You do not want one of those. All right. So for our food section of the four F's. Uh, my recommendation is going to be, this is in Delhi, mm-hmm. okay, place mm-hmm. is called Sita Ram Duan Chand, okay, mm-hmm. family run hole in the wall, uh, they serve just one dish, that's chole baturi, spicy chickpeas, I think it's great, uh, Delhi is an expensive city, uh, you want to just keep it simple, um, that's going to be my recommendation. That sounds delicious. Oh yeah, but uh, don't uh, don't get a little overzealous with the, with the spiciness, okay? Yeah. Be reasonable. Okay. People. Don't uh, don't try to be a hero. Don't try to prove anything. <laughs> All right. All right. Keep it safe. So let's uh, now our last uh, segment here on the four F's is funk. So we right. just pick uh, a song of choice. Now I'm a big fan of the Bollywood classics. Okay. That's your Lata Mangeshkar, Asha Bosle, Mukesh, Kishore Kumar, Muhammad Rafi, all the greats. Okay. But Max, mm-hmm. as we land. I want to close this episode with Kabi Kabi by Lata Mangeshkar and Mukesh. Kabi Kabi Mere Dil Mein Kabhi kabhi mere dil mein khayal 
कैसे तुझको 